Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Hello and welcome back to the Weekside Podcast. I'm Jenny Brentis, of course, here with Connor Orr. Today, things are continuing to move forward in the NFL. We have a bunch of padded practices around the league. So it's as good a day as any to discuss a topic that Connor wrote a little bit about last week. The 12 teams that could win this year's Super Bowl. So basically the idea being there's really only in any given year a dozen or so teams that really could be contenders, which I think is an accurate premise. I think sometimes there's a team that we miss out on and we don't realize that they're going to be as good as they end up being. But I think your list is pretty good, Connor, and it will make for some lively conversation. The, the fir- Go ahead, yes. Just a lot of off the jump, a lot of very upset Buccaneers fans, new new Buccaneers fans who I haven't heard from since they acquired Tom Brady. I did not put them on the list. Right. Okay. So, I mean, there were some notable exclusions, the Buccaneers. You said you also considered the Falcons. They did not make the list. Um, some tough decisions to be made in the NFC South and also around the league. So where should we start, Connor? Um, I don't know. Um, I think like... everyone was like this is a numbered list and i was like only in the way that like it's numbered like here are the 12 not like um you know but we can start um you know i will brush through the most obvious one which is the kansas city chiefs because they won the super bowl last year and 
I yes, think what, please break down why the Chiefs could win the Super Bowl, Connor, for those of us who may be unfamiliar. Um, but I did want to get your take on this because I, I was sort of just um, doing a little bit of you know what I do, which is staring at my own belly button and writing about um, what's on my mind. But um, you know, do you think that this year the pool expands uh, of of teams who are good enough to win the Super Bowl because of the craziness of the offseason, or does it contract because you know does it expand because some coach is likely to hit uh, pay dirt on some wild strategy that they came up with uh, for how to get their players ready that nobody else was thinking of, you know, or is it like no uh, the teams that are already elite are thinking in an elite way and the, and it's going to be a a fewer amount of teams that are going to be able to do this. That's a good question. My gut instinct would be to say that it would contract because Mm -hmm. we aren't going to see on a micro level. I think it will be harder to see individual players take that leap that ultimately results in surprise teams or teams getting a lot better from one year to the next. I think that is going to be harder this year. Not to say that it's, an, it's impossible, but I think it will be harder without off-season practices, without a preseason. And then I also think, you know, getting a rookie that can, like, change the course of a team, you know, s- start a new era, fill a critical need, whether that's a quarterback or another player like a Nick Bosa, for instance. So I think that's a more difficult thing too. So because of those two factors, I do think it'll be um, a year in which maybe there aren't as many surprise teams or there isn't as much turbulence. What do you think? Yeah, I I think it could go either way. I think it could be one of those things where like if you, for example, were a team like the Ravens last year who came up with something that was – fundamentally difficult for other teams to stop and you don't have an off season to rehearse tackling fundamentals or, you know, alignment, alignment assignment technique, as they always say, you know, <laughs> like all that stuff, if you have less time to drill that into everybody's head, you know, maybe a team like that runs away with it because there's just not the infrastructure and the timing and everything like that built in to study these people as deeply and to, you know, I don't know, and to, and to prepare for that. And, and maybe there's a team, you know, like that. And one of them that I kind of had on my mind in this list um, that, that could come in and surprise some people offensively. I don't know. But um, yeah, so let's, let's go, you know, number two on the list is the Patriots. And I got a lot of flack for this one, Jenny, but how can you make a list of teams that are going to win the Super Bowl and not include the New England Patriots? I agree. That is the default. I think the criticism here was that you put them at number two. Now you're Mm -hmm. saying it wasn't so much a ranking as just a list, but if it wasn't so much a ranking, you would have done it alphabetically probably. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Um, So there was some inherent ranking here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to blame uh, Mitch Goldich, our editor, who's currently on vacation and hopefully isn't Excellent. listening to the podcast. Um, you know, he he probably put the numbers next to these things. Um, <laughs> number three, the 49ers again. I mean, you know, if while you and I are both pretty adamant that it's twice as hard for the loser to get back to that game because there's that emotional hill that you have to get over. I think the weirdness of this season, um, the fact that they had um, they got a lot of help in the draft. Um, they're pretty aligned as an organization. I think that, you know, they maybe are uniquely equipped to handle this possibly. Um, so the 49ers at three and the saints at four, I think those take care of the teams that everybody is assuming Mm -hmm. is going to get there. Right. I mean, the saints, uh, I have said time and time again, probably have the most whole 
complete roster um, in the NFL, which makes you wonder why they haven't won the last four Super Bowls, really. Um, well, I will say that putting the Patriots like in the top four, it, that's a bold move, Connor. You think so? Okay. I mean, I, I, te- I tend to see where you're coming from because it's always been a safer pick to pick the Patriots than not. But there is more uncertainty, um, certainly with the quarterback change, uh, also with, you know, a lot of high profile players opting out. Um, so, you know, I think there's more, more questions than we've seen in two decades, of course. That is not an overstatement. But I also don't fault you for putting them there. I mean, it's hard to bet against them. And as we've said all along, I mean, I think we, we've we continuously picked them to be the AFC East favorites despite everything else this offseason. So I don't hate it. But I yeah. acknowledge it's controversial. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Um, number five, are you still all in on... Uh, Seahawks were a team of the pod last year before the season. We were both yeah. very high on the Seahawks. Are you are you continuing that high on the Seahawks? I am. So you have the Seahawks at five and the Ravens at six. And I think that either of those could have been in your four, like, okay. definite contenders group Got is it. what I would say. Mm-hmm. They could have subbed in for, you know, someone. In the how, how do you feel about them being... Let's assume that I did rank these and I'm just embarrassed <laughs> about it. Um, <laughs> um, how do you feel about them being ahead of the Ravens? You know, I think this is interesting because I think the Ravens, I'm not sure what's going to happen this year. You know, obviously we saw this fantastic season they had last year um, that Ravens did something that hasn't been done in the NFL in terms of building this spectacular offense. Um but they've had those two depressing playoff wins, right? I mean, two deflating, or excuse me, playoff losses, two deflating playoff losses. And, you know, I, I think that they are a team that, with their coach and with their quarterback, that I could very easily see it not bothering them at all. But that is kind of a wild card. Like, you don't know how that factors into the calculation. Yeah. I, I think the Seahawks, I, th- I think, are going to be – closer to the defense that they were i mean the legion of boom really kind of ceased to exist as we know it probably in like 2015 2016 but you get that tailwind and everybody for the next four years football fans who are kind of vaguely paying attention still think they're the best defense in the league because that's what happens but i think they will more closely resemble that defense i think the additions that they made the veteran additions that they made were very smart they shore up positions of need in the secondary and guys like um, you know, guys that they have, I think, are developing as star cornerbacks. I mean, you know, I, I think that we all just assume that, like, everybody arrived for the Legion of Boom and, and this thing was created overnight. But I think that, you know, it does take time for these guys to develop. And so I think they are developing a good secondary. I like what they have. And it's hard to count out. I mean, Russell Wilson in a short offseason like this. I mean, any of the any of the coach-quarterback relationships that are, uh, really kind of streamlined like they have in Seattle. Say what you will about Brian Schottenheimer, but at least they're starting from a little bit further ahead than a lot of other teams, I think. Yeah, and I think that factors into kind of how we started the pod with the question that you asked. And I think any team with a stable coach-quarterback relationship does have a leg up this year. Fascinating, by the way, that everybody is saying we need Russell Wilson to cook more. We need Russell Wilson to play more, pass more. But... Seattle Seahawks, I think the last two years, 
uh, have ranked uh, either number one or number two in uh, uh, efficiency, so yards per play attempted. Um, so they're a highly efficient offense. But, you know, how much of that is Russell Wilson? How much better could it be if they let Russell Wilson throw more? Or is it perfect the way it is? I don't know. That is a good counter stat, Connor. Interesting. Just something to think about. You know, I like it. Put in your back pocket. Number seven, um, we the Chargers have uh, in many years been a team of the pod in the past. Got a right. ton of flack for this one. I like the Chargers, and I like Tyrod Taylor. I like him starting the whole season. I like him uh, playing like he did in 2015, where if you go back, um, he had 2015, 16, 17 as a full-time starter in Buffalo. So his DVOA rankings, which take into account opponent, defensive strength, uh, situations during games, all that stuff. He started his eighth um, in 2015, his first season as a full-time starter. That was better than Matt Stafford, Alex Smith, Derek Carr, Matt Ryan, Teddy Bridgewater, Eli Manning, and Aaron Rodgers. And then he was 19th and 22nd. Uh, Josh Allen was 28th last year, and the Bills still got to the playoffs with him. And I would argue that I like the Chargers defense just a little bit more than that. And I think Tyrod Taylor is a better quarterback than Josh Allen is right now. Yeah, I'm with you on all of this, Connor. I think that the Tyrod Taylor move was kind of underplayed because everyone was anticipating what quarterback the Chargers were going to draft in the first round. And I think they made a good selection with Justin Herbert. You saw on Hard Knocks last week how his teammates were responding to him. Um, and I think that he will be a good pick for the long term, but I think Tyrod Taylor is the perfect bridge quarterback and could very easily start all season. And I think he positions them well. You know, I think if they had made that switch at some point last year when Rivers was struggling behind the beat up, banged up offensive line, you know, I think they probably could have won a few more games last year. And I agree. I think what they've done to the defense has been really strong. You know, they added Chris Harris. They drafted Kenneth Murray in the first round. I think those are really strong additions, kind of just studying in place around, you know, players they have like Joey Bosa and Derwin James. So, and I also think, this comment came from my mother who watched last week's episode of Hard Knocks. Now, she had similar anxiety Dr. V. as I did. Yes, Dr. V, one of three Dr. V's in my family. I am the only one that does not have a PhD. But um, so my mother... You've got a doctorate from the school of Hard Knocks, Jenny. <laughs> right, Don't, don't exactly. let them... Yeah. There you go. Um, but my mom uh, had the similar anxiety to like, oh my gosh, our team's following the protocols. But because of that, she said to me, I really think I like the way the Chargers are handling it. And, you know, they were saying, I might not have the answers to everything, but let's do it this way because it's safer. You know, like the coach that had everyone sit four rows back. And it just seemed overall, you know, in the message from Anthony Lynn, like this is part of our season, essentially. Like you have to be as good at following the protocols. Like that is key to success. Framing it that way, I think, was smart. Um, so I think that's a factor, too. You know, this is going to be a weird season, as he presented. And if you're going to have success this year, you have to be mindful of that, that that is a factor in a team winning as much as anything else. Um, so, yeah, like the Chargers pick, Connor. Yeah, 
I think, too, it's just, you know, it's one of those things where they remind me a little bit of the 49ers and the fact that they were building this great defense and they kept building it and building it and building it. And everyone was like, wow, they're throwing a lot of picks at this thing and it's not really working out. And then all of a sudden, one year, you're like, holy shit, this thing, this thing just boiled over and they're the best defense in the league. And I think that that could happen with the Chargers where all of a sudden we look back and we're like, oh, my God, you know, this team is really, really good. Um, and all the talent is there. I mean, they have the pass rushers. They have... Um, you know, they've gotten better at linebacker. You know, they've done all the things that they need to do. I think their secondary is fantastic. They might have the best player in the secondary um, in the NFL right now. And so it's it's one of those things where it's like, okay, how does this all, does it finally kind of build up to a peak and then start snowballing downhill and they start crushing people? And I don't know. I think that might happen. Mm-hmm. Well, your next two are just, just some NFC East teams because there's always an NFC East team that's kind of on the fringe. So you have the Eagles followed by the Cowboys. Really don't want to count either of them out, essentially because of their quarterbacks, right, in both cases. Exactly, yeah. Um, I was encouraged to leave one of them off the list to make it spicier um, mm-hmm. by some shadowy forces within uh, Sports Illustrated. You know, But <laughs> that's not what we do here at the Weekside Podcast. This isn't clickbait. You know, We're going we're gonna to give it to you straight. And, uh, you know, I, I think that there's a possibility that I mean I just like the Eagles because I think that they have a good foundation you know they have good foundational players you always make the point about the strength of that locker room and how good that how good of a veteran presence that they built in there Um, and those pillars I think mean something in a weird season like this I think Carson Wentz finally had his moment last year when Nick Foles had really uh, defined this era of Eagles football. And then Carson Wentz is able to back them into the playoffs with no talent on offense and everybody's hurt and he's throwing the ball to Boston Scott. And then they somehow come from behind and and win that division. I think he's going to be a better player coming into this season. Um, And the Cowboys, it's just, you know, the roster is so good. I mean, it's just, there's so much talent. There's so many blue chip players there. And it's like, okay, I mean, I'm not, Nothing that Mike McCarthy has done has made me thrilled. I mean, you know, he doesn't seem thrilled about, you know, learning him having to learn a new offense to call, you know, and how heavy handed is he going to be in that process? I don't know, but I don't know. There's just something about the vibe there that takes away a little bit of confidence, but it's hard to not put a team that talented, at least in, in, in the equation. Yeah, and they obviously today lost Gerald McCoy to a mm-hmm. season-ending knee injury. So, you know, but that's just uh, – that's interesting uh, in the sense of we were wondering about what these training camp injuries would look like after the lack of a in-person off-season program. And so McCoy was is really the first one that we've seen, big name, um, be lost to an injury for the season. Um, okay, so we've got – at number 10, you've got the Packers uh, coming off of an NFC Championship game appearance. Uh, Connor, I noticed that you write Aaron Rodgers has top five players at wide receiver and running back and a mostly excellent offensive line. It sounds like you're building a case that he has a decent supporting cast. <laughs> what do you know? You know, <laughs> um, I, you know, I think that counter to you know, the argument from Camp Rogers. And I'm not disagreeing that he should have felt a little slighted by the the pick. The quarterback thing was weird. I think we agreed that. Yeah. I mean, you know, we agreed that the timing probably wasn't 100% there unless they're totally in love with this guy um, that they picked to replace him. Air quotes around love. Um, LOL. But, LOL. Um, but, I mean, if you look at all the other things that they did spend resources on, you know, and time and money building, like, 
he's got one of the best offensive lines in football. That matters. Um, Devontae Adams is one of the five best receivers in football. That matters. Um, if you're going by PFF grades, he's got one of the five best running backs in football. That is a big deal, you know? A lot of that stuff is huge, and they've done all these little things to kind of get them him little pieces, you know, the tight end here on the, on the veteran free agent market. But, like, I, I just think, you know, it would be – it would be – you have to counter it with that argument, right? Because you can't just let Aaron Rodgers say, you didn't get me what I wanted, and therefore we're not going to be a successful team. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Uh, I We stand by our early reaction to the decision to draft love, which was a chili pepper spice emoji. But um, <laughs> but I think, yeah, you make a good point that like it would be hard for a late-round rookie to contribute immediately anyway. And, um, you know, obviously they had a high opinion of love. Um so, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm interested to see what happens with the team this year. With the rest of the receivers, though, like, especially when you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers who likes everything so particular you know, and, mm-hmm. and needs everything in a certain way, wouldn't you rather tr- spend your time trying to elevate the receivers who are already around him and know how he likes to operate mm-hmm. versus – throwing something into the mix and and you know and then right away you're putting pressure on this player to develop quickly and you know oh everybody's just gonna expect that this is Aaron Rodgers' guy now and his target and everything like that and maybe maybe some of the receivers that were there they didn't like the way that they fit I, I don't know I mean we don't know we don't see these evaluation cards Aaron Rodgers has said that they liked some of these receivers that they brought in but you know does it fit what they're going to do in the long term I don't know I mean mm-hmm. I think that we're definitely going to see a much different Packers offense three years from now if Matt LaFleur stays there than what we've seen already right now. Yeah, and receiver is notoriously one of the hardest positions to adjust to in the mm-hmm. NFL, especially the the gap between some of the college systems now when you might have just a handful of routes you have to know versus all of the things that come into playing it in the NFL and all of the nuances and being able to – read and adjust to what your quarterback wants in any given situation that is a very challenging transition so yes it's it would have been difficult I think for it will be difficult for receivers to adjust this year and be able to make big contributions for sure and it's like you said I mean this is during this is during a pandemic too and we already knew that the draft happened during a pandemic right Mm -hmm. and so if you're Green Bay what's your calculus there it's like are we going to take time to draft a guy that is going to be 10 times harder to integrate into the lineup right away without an off season, or do you just kind of punt on that idea this year and make the long-term investment? It's like, you know, it, it kind of makes sense, right? If you're thinking about it in that way, you know, Aaron Rodgers probably has two or three more years left. It's like, okay, we can do that next year. And we have the time. We're probably going to be picking back here again. Anyway, there's going to be the same kind of guy here. Why not just like punt on that? And, and I don't know, you take the long-term investment and you see if it pays off. I don't know. Yeah, maybe there wasn't anyone that they loved there. Oh, man, really backed my way into another pun. I meant I just was legitimately trying to say maybe there wasn't a receiver they loved. I mean, I think the bigger issue is clearly that they traded up, but that's mm-hmm. probably what he's trying True. to get past, which he's pointed out a few different times, which I get it. I think we could all understand being slighted, but definitely an interesting team for 2020. Okay, the Steelers at number 11. 
Steelers, the owners of uh, the provincial second ugliest accent in America, according to the Associated Press. Pittsburgh. Oh, accent. is that right? Do you know who's number one? Chicago? Oh, mm-hmm. Boston. Mm-hmm. Really? Number, one, number one in America. Same um, state. Same state. Oh, Scranton? Oh, Philly. Mm-hmm. Scranton. Or Scranton. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, 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 won, we finally won something. Yeah. Okay. This is confusing to me. Is the Scranton accent like that distinct from like other parts of Pennsylvania? I mean, I know Philly and Pittsburgh are distinct, but I like I don't know that I can peg what Scranton is specifically. So I I had a long discussion about this over the weekend, actually. So I'm glad that you asked this question. And I'll <laughs> I'll start with a story. Um, I was um, my family and I um, were we just got away for the weekend. We were down at the beach, and we were down at a beach near Philadelphia, right? And so the overspill from the Philadelphia area into New Jersey, and then you've got sort of the northern migration from Delaware County creates this sort of nuclear accent that um, you know people choose to have. You know, yes, like maybe that's how your grandparents talked. Um, you know, but for it to still exist now is a choice, right? You, you want to say words that way because it makes you, f- you know, feel better. That, that's my take on this. And so, you know, I, I heard a lot of people saying COVID, you know, we're afraid of COVID, bro. You know, a lot of that going on down there. And I was warring against my own Scranton accent, which I think, um, again, is a choice. And I think that the, the more, the more hate that an accent gets, the more people want to dig in and accentuate its most ridiculous aspects, right? So Philadelphia people love to say bagel. They don't say bagel, you know, they, they say bagel or water or any of that stuff. And they mm-hmm. say it. And every time now, since they know that the accent is under attack, they go harder and harder and harder. And so I think that was really Scranton, like embracing the ugliest parts of the accent, um, you know, and then really just sort of wringing it out and, and making it as powerful as possible. Okay. Yeah. I'm surprised to learn that two Pennsylvania accents were one, two in the ranking. And I, I mean, would argue that I don't know how I, I didn't get that deep into it, but I would guess Philly is pretty darn close to I'm sure and, Philly's high and Boston have to be high, but there's accents in all parts of the country that are pretty strong, I would say. Plus, the ugliest accent is like, it's kind of an unfortunate poll. I mean, we discuss accents on the show a couple months ago and we said we didn't realize I had one, which was probably, yeah, a stupid statement because I'm sure I go anywhere else in the world as our reader pointed out. And I would have some kind of form of an ugly American accent. I'm sure. Um, (laughs) I guess our thought was like, it didn't specifically identify to a certain region or like stand out as like being obviously from this area was what we had in mind. But like, yeah, like ugliest accent. I mean, I don't know. That's kind of a mean poll. I don't really like it. I, I think it's mean. Uh, I think, though, it is for a very specific group of people a much needed wake up call. You know what okay. I mean? You know, okay. it, because it's just like you're teaching kids that, and then the kids are, you know, they go to school, and, you know, it, maybe I'm projecting a little bit here, but like, you know, there are weird things that people in Scranton call certain things. And then you go to college and you try to order eggs a certain way, and everybody laughs at you. You know what you I mean? Just, like, you just said when you said college there, that was ooh, a little bit of the yeah. Scranton coming through. I can I know. Hear it. Yeah. yeah. And you can't, yeah. as much as you try to beat mm-hmm. it down, you know, it's just like, you know, I don't know. I'm well, not saying but, we all know, need to sound the same. You yeah, because it's, it's and it's hard kind of, you know, my parents were um, so both of my parents were their grand 
uh, excuse me, both of my grandparents were immigrants. So my both of my parents were children of immigrants. And so they spoke another language at home as well. Um, and so in my mom's case, it was Polish. And she has a hard time saying like THs because there isn't a TH sound mm. in Polish. So she grew up speaking both Polish and English. Um, but in English, she has a harder time with the THs because that wasn't a sound that was uh, in Polish. So, I mean, you can see why like there's some ways to get tripped up on, on different words. But um, but yeah, okay, interesting. Scranton, number one. Wow, wow. My distinction there, just, just to be clear, because you make a good point, and I don't want to seem like I'm making fun of of people who grew up with parents who were first generation, you know, in, in the United States, which is how a lot of these things developed. It's more like, like real housewives, right? And, or like Jersey Shore. <laughs> right. And you're taking oh, yeah. the most extreme version of something that started a certain way and you're, um, you're bastardizing it for attention. Basically. I, I understand. Okay. I know where you're coming from, okay, Connor. Good. I just want to, you know, make, make it, make it clear. I'm not. I no, totally understand. All right. So back to Pittsburgh. Um, all right. So a lot of this depends on the health of Ben Roethlisberger's elbow, which mm -hmm. people in Pittsburgh seem to be bullish about. It's, it's, it's a bull market for Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh, right? Bull means so. good. I think so. Bullish Bull, right, means Right, because the, the horns are up and then a bear, a paw swipes down. Right, right. Right. I think so. <laughs> We're really, I mean, let's just be clear that this is not a finance pod. <laughs> For sure. Um, In case anyone but, had any confusion about that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, the Ben Roethlisberger hype train is uh, has left the station. <laughs> it is uh, it is on Amtrak. It's going 250 miles an hour across the United States with nothing seeming to slow it down. But that's one of those teams, too, I think, that has a good infrastructure, you know, and the defense is quietly excellent. Like, this is not just a good defense. I think this is a top three like great, potentially really, really good defense, mm -hmm. you know? And so I think that that's going to matter this year because defense is going, we know this. I mean, we've seen this defense is always bad at the beginning of the season, but I think in this case will be much worse. I mean, there's no preseason. Uh, there's probably a, a less of an incentive to do any live tackling of any kind, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of rust there, you know, and uh, Pittsburgh has a lot of veteran players who are just, very good across the board and i think they're just hard to dismiss um as a team that could work its way into that conversation well the tackling issue is interesting i guess i've been continually saying that like defenses are always ahead of offenses because you have to have all 11 players in unison whereas on defense you can have one person make a really good play and like, it saves the whole thing but the tackling is a very good counterpoint connor there's less practice for that this year and there has been his for the last whatever right. since the last new cba sign you know wisely mm -hmm. so but i think that you're no preseason games though yeah. yeah and not that four preseason games is going to change anything but i think that I think it's legitimate to believe that, you know, it's going to take people a little bit longer to get used to game speed this year um, and yeah. less time to solidify what they've learned in practice during the week. Right. So, yeah, you know, I don't know. So that's why I would just say I like the Steelers. I think that it's a good roster. Again, another great offensive line, and that can go a long way towards helping. So I don't know. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. 
<sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. All right. And the last team is the Buffalo Bills, which will please some of our Buffalo-based listeners. Yeah. We got it, you know... Here at the Weak Side Pod, I mean, we're scrapping for uh, we're scrapping for everything. We found a comfortable niche in the Buffalo market, and uh, <laughs> we plan on playing that up uh, and in a very pandering way. So, congratulations, Buffalo! We think you can win the Super Bowl. But this is this is the same thing. I think if is it ridiculous to think that you could get Josh Allen to low end Jimmy Garoppolo level this year? Like, is that is that crazy to 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 wonder that? Right, that is the question. But do you also have, you know, I don't know. Do you have 
all of the forces that have to make that work. Do you know what I mean? Like totally. Get, like getting the quarterback to low end Jimmy Garoppolo level is one thing, but then everything around that player has to be working. Um, and I think the Bills have the pieces for that to happen, but it does take, you know, it does take things kind of going a certain way when you don't necessarily, if that's the level he's playing at, right, then you don't necessarily have the quarterback elevating things. So it takes a lot more uh, pieces than, that have to go right, I guess. Yeah, this one was definitely your 100 to 1 uh, wing and a prayer bet. But like we've said before, I mean, this is a big off season for coaches who have been around. Um, Sean McDermott just got that extension. You know, uh, I think that he's got a good, by the way, ever since we started talking about the Scranton accent, I, I've, I've noticed every time I say, you know, on the pot, that's a big <laughs> component of that is, you know, uh, uh, and that's one of the things that I don't think I'll ever be able to eliminate from my book. Oh, see, but, interesting. I think we know. both have a you know problem. So maybe I lived close enough to Scranton that it kind of ooh, it, it's know, sort of I, like I picked that up. Yeah, spilling over. Yeah. Sorry about that, Jenny. <laughs> wow, I never considered that. All right. Um, but yeah, I think that Sean McDermott, the infrastructure there, you know. Stefan, jeez, oh I just did it again. Uh, Stefan Diggs is a position, not something that I'm, you know, completely wild about, but it, it all, they've gotten better than they were last year. They're a better team than they were last year, and they made the playoffs, and they played tough in a playoff game, and they've got a great, great, great defense. So, I don't know. I just think it's hard to, it's hard to count them out. Like a couple other teams, like I'm just hedging my bets by putting them on here because I think it's just difficult to count them out. But I will ask you, I mean, is there one team that you did not see on this list that you thought was particularly jarring or like, I can't believe he left these guys off? Yes. The Los Angeles Rams. Ooh. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it was one of those things where I just, didn't feel it and I had no good it was the same thing for the Buccaneers where it's hard to write something like this when you're just saying my gut tells me no because that's not the business that we're in right we need to back things up I mean Jenny is a scientist you know she needs you know hard data here and I can't give you any hard data on why I don't feel it but I just I'm not feeling it Connor was it Sean McVay talking about shitting too much on the first episode of Hard Knocks? Because if that turned you off, it would be understandable. I think, you know, that did have something to do with it. Yeah, that might have had something to do with it. Another yeah. factor might be the, the gradient numbers. Mm. Hard to see that in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Another, yeah. <laughs> but you yeah. liked the gradient numbers. I did like that. It was yeah. just the right amount okay. of gradient. Okay, yeah, that's right. I'm, right I'm remembering here that that was a my take, <laughs> not a you take. So, um, okay. Um, thinking of other other factors. Here's but, one thing uh, that's interesting to the, about me, uh, to the Rams, about the Rams to me. Let's do that. Let's let's take that in English. Um, okay. So uh, I think that what they what we saw from them last year, very heavily resembled what we saw from them during their Super Bowl year, right? And when they lost the Super Bowl, everybody was like, well, Sean McVay is the radical offensive brainchild. He's going to come up with something different. But we didn't see a whole lot of different, right? Mm -hmm. And then we saw a bunch of teams playing that six by one, whatever the, the Patriots defense against them, and it was effective. Mm -hmm. And so until I see something new, 
that falls under this umbrella of a great Sean McVay idea, which I'm sure exists. Like, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm sure it will. Um, but until I see it, it's hard for me to say, okay, uh, all systems go here, and I'm totally back, back bought in on this team. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of new pieces here. They have new coordinators. There's a lot of, you know, and maybe that will, that could go one of two ways, right? It could infuse some new ideas, you know, maybe make some of the adjustments we wanted them to make last year, you know, or it could be a difficult adjustment. So, um, you know, I I guess it's hard to know for sure which direction anything will go this season, I think. And we're also having a little bit less of visibility into that because we're not having the preseason games as meaningless as those might be. You know, practice is um, practice viewing is more restricted. So I think it's harder to get a sense of things like that's another thing too, Connor, like putting together any of these lists this year feels like we have less information than ever. Yeah. And I said before, I mean, I, I can't say I can't gauge complacency and I, it's hard enough to gauge complacency when you're covering a team on a day to day basis. Mm -hmm. But with a team like the Chiefs or the 49ers, if you're not there and then you're just seeing a polished version of everything on Zoom, it's like you're not really getting a full picture of what's going on. You know? Yeah. Did you see also like I noticed that on one of the practice viewing days for the Jets, they were indoors because it was a very rainy and cold Sunday in New York. And um, so they had the beat writers in the press room watching on closed circuit TV because they were in the field house and there was no indoor viewing. And I thought, well, that's interesting because you're just getting like one camera angle and like it's dif difficult to see all the different things. So that's just one example of like how much harder it is to get a feel for the way things are going this year. Kudos to teams, though, that are at least going that yes. extra mile, yes. you know what I mean, to create Agree. a closed circuit, you know, because we're in the Wild West, and I do mm -hmm. think that, you know, I hate to say this about uh, to fans, but, like, your guys are going to lose out this year because a lot of teams are using this as an advantage to close off access that they've wanted to close off for years anyway, you know? Yeah, but no, I agree. And that's, that's a good point. I did not mean in any way. Yeah, for yeah, that no, to, no, but, no. I mean, I, I think that was a good step by the jets and obviously safety is the most important thing. So if there is reduced practice viewing, I mean, heck we're still skeptical about this whole plan in general, though, mm -hmm. it, as far as training camp goes, it has gone well so far. Um, I think training camp is, of course, more of an isolated environment than perhaps other parts of the season. Um, but so far, things have been on a good track for the NFL. Um, so any extra precautions are a good thing. But uh, but yeah, it's definitely a difficult year to make predict predictions and projections. For sure. But one thing I do know is that we've got a very special treat for our readers here at the end of this podcast. We got some fan mail, and boy, did you guys step it up. I mean, holy smokes, the potpourri that we've gotten in our inbox is absolutely delightful. And uh, I'm very excited that we're going to be able to read this uh, to you guys right now. Yes, we got some really good fan mail. Uh, my favorite part was the fact that people wrote in with recipes. People are really <laughs> getting behind our idea for a vegetarian taqueria. And we're hopeful to have worldwide guests because one of the people who wrote in, Paul from Australia, sent some really good recipes. Mexican cannellini bean salad with lime, uh, bean quesadillas with corn salsa, chickpea tikka masala recipe for meat-free Monday. I mean, that might be a good, you know, 
change up like different fusion tacos, you know, yeah. different cuisines coming together. Same with kimchi udon with scallions, you know, you could really do some fusion tacos here, Connor, if we wanted to, or side dishes. So a lot of directions we can go. But Paul also had an interesting premise. So for the mailbag. Says Paul, I have always wondered a te- why a team wouldn't continuously move up the draft board by trading future picks. Every year they get more, so they are a renewable resource, right? It is not like a bank that would come to collect. You could just continuously mortgage the following year's assets and then do the same next year. Let me know what you think. So I think this is a really interesting premise, Paul, especially because the present is what matters the most. You know, if you're a coach whose job is on the line, general manager, the present is what is always you're judged by what you're doing now and you might not have future years. Um, so I think it's smart from that perspective. One thing I would say is future picks are not valued as highly as current picks, perhaps for that reason. So you may ultimately lose out in the absolute value of what you're getting. And I think, Connor, you have some done some reading in this vein. Yeah, I got to talk uh, for a story that I did last year to Richard Thaler, who, if anybody is interested, um, is a good follow on Twitter. He's a Nobel Prize winner. And he and um, Cade Massey from the University of Pennsylvania, who teaches behavioral decision making, they wrote that seminal paper in 2013 on, um, on draft picks and why teams should never trade up. Um, and where, why the actual most value comes in the later rounds. And, and at the time, I mean, it really did blow away a lot of people's understanding about maybe not Bill Belichick, um, but a, a lot of other people's understanding about it. He famously um, delivered his findings to um, Daniel Snyder, and then Daniel Snyder traded, <laughs> traded everything to go get Robert <laughs> Griffin III, which, you know, again, you know, shows you how well that worked. But um, in their study, um, it was interesting that, Richard Thaler said, you know, some of their guys did get placed into teams after this, you know, some of their workers did get into stuff. And one of them that was working in a team's draft department said, it is like taking candy from a baby and people do not realize that a, you should always be accumulating next year's picks because it's half price. You know, there's the premium on the now. Um, There's the premium on, I need to get better immediately. There's the premium on, we need to win this year's draft. And so you're paying double to move up and you're getting twice as much to move back basically is how it works. And so, you know, there are, um, I forget the analogy, uh, when he told me it was like a financial analogy. And then I laughed and said, yeah, totally. But I didn't understand it. It was like, yeah, it was like, you know, uh, being like a bear market. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, if you, you're a mortgage broker and you're trading, uh, corn futures and i was like yeah absolutely you know like that's totally it's a joke that i understand so um but yeah so that that would be the uh um the motivation behind that however uh paul if you're playing madden uh, all bets are off you always trade next year's picks for the current year's picks because you know there's no behavioral economics in madden so that would be my advice but a very thought-provoking premise. I, I really I, did like that question. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was a really good question. And I, I would not, like, I think there was probably some of that this year with the uncertainty during the pandemic. If there's something, if you're a team that is just starting your ascent or your build, I think that there's a component of that that goes into it versus 
Um, you know, if you're Seattle, you're a team that always is like, well, screw it, we're picking 30th, so it doesn't matter anyway. Or, you know, some of these other teams that have a different calculus. But if you're a team like maybe the 49ers were two years ago, where you just gave your coach a six-year contract, you might view that longer runway and uh, behave accordingly, like something like that. Yeah, I think there are definitely different circumstances depending on your situation, but definitely a thought-provoking premise. So we appreciate that and the recipes, Paul. Um, All right, on to the second note we received. Should I go ahead, Connor? Do you have it up? I have have it, yeah. Okay, Uh, great. This is from Caden, right? Yes. All right, Caden. Okay. Who's from Buenos Aires. Oh, wow. All right. Let me tell you about charred alliums. And this is great. Sorry about the pronunciation, if that's not how you pronounce it. Um, they're delicious. You take a bunch of scallions, maybe some ramps, a leek? Hell yeah, a leek. But cut it into two quarters lengthwise. Throw these scallions into a bowl and dig around in your cupboard for some of that quality of olive oil. The stuff your brother-in-law got you, the ostensibly fancy olive oil that you're not sure what to do with. Give your alliums a nice glug of that good, good olive oil. (laughs) Toss them around, you know, oil them up. This is great. (laughs) Take the alliums and toss them on the grill at medium heat. Go back inside and grab a beer. You know what? Better yet, have your beer available in a cooler outside. Relax a little bit. Return to the grill sometime later and baby, you've got alliums. (laughs) I love this. Sprinkle them with some of that fancy salt with an accent mark in the name and eat them with your hands or... This is advanced stuff here. Uh, blitz those babies in a food processor, and you've got charred allium sauce, which is delicious on tacos or skirt steak or anything else. Wow, Caden. I mean, I oh, think that this most. charred allium is a revelation, but I think the sauce particularly will be excellent for our taqueria yes. called Root. I feel like that could really set us apart, and I think we're going to have Caden to thank for this. Aiden, you are an all-star. Uh, that is is great. Um, and so on to the football question. He says, anyway, hello from Buenos Aires. Big fans of both of you. I've been reading your work since you covered the Jets. Thank you, Caden. Uh, that's very appreciative. Uh, the weak side pod is great, and I really love that you two are the rare type of NFL reporters that are able to conceive uh, of the players as human beings. Pretty quite crazy. <laughs> Uh, thank you. That was that's very nice to hear that. Um, that was very nice feedback and the reading recommendation. Yeah, as requested in one of the last pods, I have been reading. I have a reading recommendation: "Open Veins of Latin America" by Eduardo Galeano. It tells the story of colonial extraction of Latin America from the 1500s until the 70s. It is written absolutely beautifully and does a great job telling a history that is often left aside in the states. Best Caden. Amazing email. Like, holy smokes. Fantastic. Three paragraphs. We would call this a meaty email, as our former editor would say, which is high praise. Like, the lots highest of stuff praise. in there. Yeah. Meaty was the highest praise. Like, there was just chock full of information that was insightful and just lots of great nuggets. So, we appreciate this, Caden. I wish I could write like Caden, by the way. Just like the, the recipe. He's like funny. Uh, he's, he's, he hits all the notes, you know? It was really building the suspense for the Allium sauce. Like really like setting that up for the big reveal at the end that you could actually make this into a sauce as 100%. well. That would be good for tacos. Um, <laughs> all right. We will end on our final question, which is true to us pandering to our buffalo audience we have chase a repeat uh corresponder what's the right word connor Um, under the pod 
a friend of the pod. Chase is a friend of the pod. Chase is from the Buffalo area, so he has a question about the Bills. With the Bills getting a lot of attention surrounding their defense and much of the attention surrounding their offense is focused on their receiving core. Why do you think there isn't much talk about their running back core? It seems to be their best-kept secret, almost. I think that's a great question, Chase, and I would say that the reason why we haven't heard a lot about their running back core, um, especially since everyone's very enthused with um, with what they did in the drafts in that regard, too, is that it's a difficult time. Like, So if you follow the channel of hype, right, this is how hype works in the preseason, at least according to me. It's that we're at practice, and we will see a lot of what is drawn your attention is drawn to in practice at this time are one-on-one drills between receivers and defensive backs. So there's a lot of eye grabbing plays made. Um, There is one-on-one drills between offensive linemen and defensive linemen. And then there are those um, uh, like those lightly uh, three quarters speed walkthroughs where somebody is that we don't understand or three quarter speed. And some defensive lineman is like, pulling a Rudy and ripping through everybody and getting to the quarterback every time because he wants to be on the roster really badly. That happened one year with the Giants. I can't remember that guy's name. Um, But So that's where the hype starts, I think. It's hard to get excited about a running back because we're not seeing a lot of between-the-tackles running. We're not seeing a lot of breaking of tackles, a lot of you know some open-field agility, um, but not as much as, say, like a kid, if, he, if he's not returning kicks or anything like that. So it's hard, I think, to kind of create the groundswell of organic hype because what they do best is not what is showcased at this point of the year, I would say. Yeah, I think that's a smart analysis. But as far as the duo, I think they're one that has a lot of potential this year. I mean, the first thing about the running back tandem they have is they're both third-round picks. So that was smart roster building by the Bills, getting guys in the third round. And Singletary had a great season last year, and I think expectations are, are pretty high for him this year. And then they add... Zach Moss in the third round this year. And so I think that's a pretty good tandem. Um, so I think there's, you know, definitely that that could be a really, you know, I feel like they're a, one of the duos in the league that has the most potential, but I think it's still somewhat unknown how it will work out, right? I think every time you're expecting players to make a, a big leap, there's some amount of projection there. But, uh, but I agree. I mean, I think that's an important part of their roster, and I think it's a good thing to highlight. You're right. I mean, it, it is less talked about because I think all the focus really is on both the defense, because that's McDermott's thing, and then also does Josh Allen take this step forward this year? Also, Chase has added a suggestion about a good sparkling water called Sparkling Ice. They Ooh, have an excellent watermelon strawberry. Ice. Oh, you do? I've never seen it before. It's very good. This is rare. I feel like I'm well-versed on the sparkling <laughs> water varieties, but this is a brand that I'm not familiar with. Sparkling Ice, if I'm not mistaken, um, is in like those very tall, like the taller, thinner bottles. Oh, interesting. Um, but okay. Yeah, very good. Um, refreshing, ice cold beverage. You know. All right. I'll have to keep an eye out for it. Seltzer is definitely my thing. I picked up some high hibiscus LaCroix over the weekend, and that was a big, uh, <sighs> big weekend for me. Wow. <laughs> we got some dragon fruit uh, from Wegmans. Oh, right I've had that one. Those are really good. Yeah. It's it's like a little sweet, but like in a way that didn't bother me. It wasn't cloying. It was not, no. Um, so that's been sort of a drink of the summer for us, along with, um, 
I will give our listeners one uh, rant. So I'm I'm sort of like I'm like 95 percent not drinking right now. Um, and uh, you know, Athletic Brewing Company is a craft brewery that makes craft brewery quality beer without alcohol in it, and it's unbelievable. Like you cannot oh, tell wow. the difference. And uh, you know, you can have one in the afternoon if it's getting a little, you know rough you know and and you're just having a tough go at it and you're not hammered and you can still you know do whatever you want to do later you know so that's a good refreshing non-alcoholic beverage i would recommend to anybody want to try you know another one that i had is trader joe's sparkling watermelon juice Ooh. now i actually have to confess i got it last year and was sitting um (laughs) in my stack of seltzer and things but it's still good so i don't know (laughs) if they currently still sell it but also a good thing to mix it up. Like, in addition to the watermelon seltzer, this was like sparkling watermelon juice, which was also good. And I imagine it'd be good in cocktails if you're into cocktails. For so. sure. Yeah, that's great. Well, this was a diverse show, covered a lot of topics. Yeah, covered, I think it hopefully got everyone through a drive home, you know? I hope so. I hope so. Um, well, good stuff, Connor, as always. And I mean, from you, not me. I, I didn't mean that in like, a, I did well today. I meant good stuff with your article. Gave us some good topic of conversation today. Just wanted Always to clear that up. Jenny. It's Come the on. weak side, definitely not the strong side. So <laughs> have to make sure to we maintain humility here. So we, we will see everybody later this week. The MMQB Weak Side podcast is me, Jenny Rentis, and Connor Orr. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is Director of Editorial Projects and Product. Mark Moravik is Emeritus Executive Director of the MMQE. Keep up with our entire lineup of podcasts five days a week by subscribing to the MMQE NFL Podcast for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please do us a favor and leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the centurion lounge (sighs) is he connecting to complimentary wi-fi oh my look at that he is and you will not believe where he's going next the amex dedicated card member entrance for the win unbelievable when you get travel perks with amex platinum you're part of the action that's the powerful backing of american express Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry. 
every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.